I recently heard a pastor stand up in front of his church and address them with this first question. Is this church more like the RAC or the RNLI? Just turn to the person next to you, 10 seconds. What does the RAC stand for? And is anyone a member? RAC. What does it stand for? Anyone a member? 10 seconds with the person next to you. Good, okay, that's 10 seconds. The RAC, my guess is you got R and A with absolutely no trouble. The Royal Automobile Club. It's a club. If you pay your joining fee to the RAC, you get the benefits of being in the club. That's how it was set up, as a small club that helps its members. And really, that's how it exists now. It exists solely for the good of its members. The RNLI, on the other hand, the Royal National Lifeboat Institution, is all about saving lives at sea. Maybe you've seen the um, programme on the television, Saving Lives at Sea. Brilliant. It is brilliant. <laughs> but it's not a club. The RNLI doesn't exist for the benefit of its members. The RNLI never says, ah, sorry, you haven't paid your membership fee. The RNLI, without distinguishing whatsoever, when someone is lost or unsafe at sea, they go and rescue. The RNLI is all about saving people who are in desperate need of rescue. So that question, is our church more like the RAC or the RNLI? Well, that's what we're going to think about a little bit more this afternoon. We've been looking over the last couple of weeks, as we said, at our purpose statement and values. Because we want to be as clear as we can be at the start of a new year, having passed through 52 weeks of Town Church Bista, what we are all about. Let me just read that purpose statement again. We are a people who have been and are being transformed by the good news of Jesus, who seek to live for Jesus and make Jesus known to others in and around Bista. We as a church do not simply exist for the good of the closest core of our members. We seek to live for Jesus and as we prioritise God's word, as we depend on God and as we care for our church family, while we do that, we don't do it at the expense of giving people in Bista and beyond the opportunity to hear and respond to the transforming news about Jesus. That's what we're all about. So that's why you'll know if you're visiting us today or if you've heard us week after week say, if you're visiting today, you're very welcome. Because you are. Because this time is for people to feel free to be part of what's going on and experience and question what we're all about. We don't want to be like members of the RAC, saying, oh, you don't have breakdown cover? Sorry, we can't help you. 
Oh, you're not part of the club? Sorry, doors over there. That's not what we want to be like and all about. We want to have our door open and welcome people in and make what we're all about so clear to anybody that comes through our door. We want to be a church that part of our very DNA is passionate about reaching the people of Bista and beyond with the good news of Jesus. So this afternoon as we come to Colossians 4, we listen on, in on this practical advice to a church in Colossae of how they might go about sharing that good news. So this is a passage, part of what informs what we want to be all about as a church, reaching lost people. So then the first four words of these instructions might sound a bit odd. Have a look there at verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer. See, firstly, we want to pray for opportunities to speak of Jesus. We want to be intentional. Just there as you have a look down, let's just track the logic of what, it, what is said. Verse 2, be devoted to prayer. Why? Well, verse 3, so that God opens a door to the message. Why? Verse 3 again, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. Why? Well, it's stated numerous times in the rest of the book because Jesus is sufficient to save, save lost people. See, why does it start with the words be devoted to prayer? Because the ultimate aim is to save lost people. Let's just take each part of that for a minute. Be devoted to prayer, why? Because it's God who opens doors. Last week we saw we show our dependence on God because it is he who is in control of all, all things. We looked a little bit more last week about how and why we should pray. So if you miss it, do catch up. But we looked also on Wednesday evening as we did some of our training on how we might speak to others. Actually, it is God who gives the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Christ. It's God's part to open the eyes of people who don't yet trust in him. When it comes to reaching the people of Bista, in and of ourselves, we are absolutely hopeless. In and of ourselves, we have zero hope in reaching lost people. We're completely dependent on God. We just are. See, we come before God, devoted to prayer, because it is God who opens the door for his message. Be devoted to prayer. Why else? Well, for the mystery of Christ to be proclaimed there in verse 3. Chapter 1 of Colossians says this about the message. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. See, this news about Jesus, the shedding of his blood on the cross, is the only thing sufficient to rescue lost people. Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God that brings salvation to all who believe. The gospel, the, the proclamation of the work of Christ, 
is the power which saves lost people. Remember our uh, purpose statement? Just have a look back at it there. A people who have been and are being transformed by the good news of Jesus. See, unless it's that which we aim to speak of, unless it's that that we look to share, then we're just saying, ah, oh, come along to town church. It's brilliant. We have a great time. You'll make good friends. There's good snacks. You'll have a great time. You'll be happier. Unless it's the news about Jesus that we aim to proclaim, then it's not all that attractive at all. No, the good news about Jesus is that which radically transforms any person who trusts in it. That's why it's that good news which we hold up front and centre every week. That's why it's that good news that we won't be ashamed of. We'll come back in a bit to what it actually looks like to speak of it personally. But we'll only get anywhere close to being devoted to prayer when we truly recognise that it's God who opens doors and that the, this message is what our friends desperately need to hear. It's when we recognise those two things that we could get anywhere close to saying that we're devoted to prayer. What does it actually practically look like to be devoted? Well, verse 2, have a look again. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Might sound like two odd words to use in relation to prayer. Watchful and thankful. Those two words put together, they give us this picture of having an intentional prayer life. We don't just pray in a vacuum away from life. That's the opposite of being watchful and thankful. Our time to pray isn't a time to withdraw, separate and completely cut off from the world and it have no implication to the way we live. Rather, we pray in an alert manner because what we bring before God, the con concerns of our life and the concerns of our friends, they're the very things that we'll be thinking about. They're the very things that we'll be doing something about as we walk out into the real world. That means as we pray, we should expect it to inform something of our experience of what we're praying about. Who are the people in Bista that I'm intentional about reaching? When I pray, am I expecting that time of prayer to shape what I go and do next? Maybe you need to take a step back and think, who am I intentional about reaching? Who am I intentional about praying for? How will I intentionally record conversation, intentionally record how I've prayed for them, what I've prayed? Could you be more intentional in praying for opportunities in specific ways as you approach the door to work? as you approach the door to a mum's group, to a friend's house, to a family member, praying specifically and intentionally, knowing that the moment you open the door, the prayers that you've just said have a, have a real impact in the intentionality of how you are when you enter the room. What it looks like to be bold in our prayers, 
to know that as we enter rooms where we've just prayed, God will open doors for our message. Prayer is coming before a God who cares about the lost people of Bista and who can do something about it. Often, the way he'll do something about it is by conforming us to his will and by using us and our intentions to seek after lost people and say something of the good news to them. Just look there at the the culture ring of the Wheel of Fortune there, below the value of reaching people in Bicester and beyond. It says, they were so intentional in getting alongside me and sharing the gospel. Could that be said of me? Could that be said of you? That kind of intentionality will only be driven by a devoted prayer life that recognises it's God who opens doors, that our friends need to hear the mystery of Christ and that we're watchful and thankful in practically searching out opportunities to speak of Jesus. We want to pray for opportunities to speak of Jesus by being intentional. Secondly, we want to live wisely before outsiders. We want to, as a church, be authentic. See, as we gather on a Sunday, we want to, even in this meeting, be wise in the way we act towards outsiders. We don't want to dilute the truth which we read in God's word. We don't want to shy away from the practices that the Bible institutes for a gathering of people. But we want to present them and explain them in a way that's accessible and understandable to anyone who will come in and look at what's going on. We want anyone to be able to see how the truth about Jesus transformed and is transforming us to live for him. We want to be wise. Often when people read this about living wisely, we'll jump to saying, don't do anything which undermines your Christian witness. Don't get drunk. Don't, hear anyone, don't let anyone hear you swear. But it's not about trying to make Christians look like good people. It's about presenting a relationship with God wisely in an authentic and appropriate manner. It's about being consistent. I don't know if you've ever watched a teacher or um, maybe a parent read a big picture book to a large group of children. It's, it's always hilarious because they sit there with this big book and all the children are gathered there and she's try- she or he is trying to read with the text upside down and the big picture and obviously it's so easy to get the story wrong but inevitably people in that situation become masters at reading the story well but it's so important isn't it that the reader of the story is consistent to the words on the page because otherwise what happens is the children looking at the book see the pictures and hear a very different story, and what they understand is very, very confused. If there's any discrepancy between what is said and what is done, 
the story just doesn't make sense. As Christians, we want to be picture book people. The story that we share, the good news about Jesus, should be evident in our lives. How can we be picture book people? Well, what is it that our friends hear of the Christian faith? What is it that they hear as we look to share? And what is it that they see? Remember what we are. We're a people who have been and are being transformed. See, as we welcome people in regularly to Town Church Bista, our claim is that we want to share, what we want to share is good news that transforms. Part of that is that we have a new status now as Jesus' death averts God's anger away from us and our rejection of him. We have a new hope for the future because of the resurrection of Jesus. We even have a new power within us to live in the way that God intended. But we are still being transformed. And so to be consistent before our friends means to both speak of the transformed and being transformed sometimes. So yes, part of that is not living lives that are wildly out of control, not living lives that bring the gospel into disrepute. But part of it is admitting that we're still being transformed. It's being authentic. It's being a picture book person that speaks of how the gospel has transformed and is transforming. And now when we get things wrong, our performance isn't counted against us when we trust in Jesus. See, while we seek to be wise in the way we speak of Jesus as a gathered church, a large part of this actually happens with us as individuals. As we speak to our neighbours, our friends, the people that we spend our time with during the week. The opportunity is for us to make the, make the most of every opportunity to be who we are. And the freeing thing about this is that when we get it wrong, which we will, it's not that we've completely messed up our witness, but it's that we've got the opportunity to be who we are, sinners that are transformed and still being transformed. Because being wise isn't just about displaying a perfect life, it's about being authentic. So we have an opportunity to show the people that we're alongside what it looks like to ongoing trust in Jesus. But that will involve a level of vulnerability. The day I got married, I woke up and we had been, we'd stayed in a hotel where there'd essentially been a big fat gypsy wedding the night before and it was loud and it was raucous and we didn't sleep very well, me and um, three boys that were involved in the wedding. Now, we had a great plan of waking up, going to the gym and the sauna, um, getting breakfast, going along, rolling down to the church and it being really chilled. And what actually happened was we got out up late, we didn't have time for breakfast or the sauna, and we had to drive to Morrison's on the way to get a pair of black socks, which none of the four of us had between us. Now you can imagine 
the four of us likely lads rolling into the car park. And there's always that moment before, before a big event where you just kind of look at each other and take stock. And just Right, this is it. And now, I don't know what it was about the way I acted in that moment, but they could pick up that I was slightly flustered. And that's, that's probably not very um, common for me. What, what happened next is one of them said, are you okay? Now, that never happens. Something must have been up. And in that moment, what happened was a level of vulnerability that I didn't really have much control over. And so what happened next wasn't really my great skill, wisdom, or planning. But I turned to these three boys who, at the time, probably none of them would have called themselves Christians, said, and um, said, boys, can I just pray ahead of this afternoon and a big day ahead? And in that moment, I didn't really have time to think or plan. I just did what I really wanted to do. And the three boys looked at me, said, yeah, and we huddled up and I prayed ahead of the day and, and the big moment of committing a life ahead to Elise. And I tell you that story not because I did anything well, not because I planned to do anything, but in that moment, I was pressured into being authentic. See, as those three boys, at a level of friendship where we knew each other quite well, they knew about my faith and they knew about what I was like. I was pressured into being authentic to a level that spoke about Jesus. And of course, that's dependent on the level of relationship you have with a person. But after that moment, I've had so many conversations with the bo those boys about that moment, about what happened, and really, it was because I was pressured into being authentic. I was pressured into being who I was. See, making the most of every opportunity doesn't mean crowbarring the gospel into every conversation. It means having the emotional intelligence to be authentic in the given situation. Sometimes we lack the courage to be honest about how the gospel affects our lives. But sometimes we lack the courage to spend the time to get to that point. We spoke in our training um, last week about the balance between being there, being there but never sharing, or the other way round. I wonder, do you have a tendency towards being intentional in getting alongside people? Or do you have a tendency towards sharing the gospel with people? See, one of those without the other isn't making the most of opportunities. It's not wise and it's not authentic. How can we be better at developing a healthy balance in this? How can we be intentional about getting alongside people? And how can we be intentional about when we're alongside people being authentic about what it means to follow Jesus? Could you be really intentional about inviting people into your home and doing what you do normally? Praying at a mealtime, reading the children a, a Bible story before bed, not putting on a show for the people that enter your lives, but being authentic about who you are. I wonder, could you, in the places that you go where you, you might have mutual friends with someone at church, 
spend time with them and even in a group speak honestly and openly about what, it, what happened at church? Could you be intentional about inviting friends round for dinner, a mix of friends outside of the church and within, and be authentic and appropriate about how you share that? Could you invite friends into church for them to see what this authentic gathering is all about and speak to them and catch up with them normally about what it is? What would it look like for you to be intentional in prayer and then authentic as you live alongside those that are outside of the church? We want to live wisely before outsiders. We want to be authentic. And we want to say something of the good news. We want to be bold. You might know um, Francis of Assisi's probably most famous quote, preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use words. Now, whilst Colossians 4 strongly agrees with his idea that our witness is shown to be authentic by our lifestyle and our actions, it fundamentally disagrees with the principle that we can preach the gospel without using words. See, five times in five verses here, in Colossians 4, 2-6, we get words that refer to spoken language. Message, proclaim, proclaim, conversation, answer. Remember Romans 1.16 that we spoke about? The gospel is the power that brings salvation. The message of the gospel we ultimately trust is God's words for us in the Bible. It's not that our lifestyle and our actions, our witness doesn't matter, but unless we speak of the hope we have in Jesus, we're in danger of pointing to something else. As hard as it might feel sometimes, it is absolutely crucial that together we speak about Jesus. That we go out and speak about Jesus and introduce our friends to the truth found in God's word. Because without that, we have no power, no message and no hope. How do we do that? Well, part of the way we do that as a church is at the Sunday gathering. We prioritise God's word. And it's geared towards the person also exploring the news about Jesus. Partly you'll see um, on your card in our rhythm section, we have termly events where the gospel message is proclaimed, like this term, the sports quiz, like the curry night and the craft night, pamper evening, at each term we have opportunities to do that. But we seek to do that as individuals too. Just have a look at verse 6. Let your conversations be always full of grace. Now, it's not that literally it's always speaking about Jesus' sacrifice, which we don't deserve constantly. But our conversations can be saturated with grace by the way in which we listen to our friends the way in which we desire to point to Jesus, the way in which we guide conversation in that direction. And if that sounds impossible, to be bold in speaking about Jesus, why not come on Wednesday night? We're going to be thinking about exactly that, how we, in normal conversation, proclaim Jesus. 
Grace, then, is what seasons our conversations. See there, seasoned with salt. Grace is the salt that seasons our conversation. Grace stops our conversation from being corrupted. Grace is what gives our conversation its taste. As we hold out the message of the gospel, ultimately that will be the taste that people are absolutely desperate for. And as we answer any questions, we must remember that the message that about Jesus, sometimes it will be that taste they're absolutely desperate for, and sometimes it will be something that they just don't understand. And that's why what we're all about is trusting God to open blind eyes. We'll pray intentionally for lost people. We want to pray for opportunities to speak of Jesus and be intentional. We want to live wisely before outsiders. We want to be authentic as followers of Jesus. And we want to say something of the good news, being bold in holding out the message about Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that the message of the gospel contains great power, your power to open blind eyes. Father, thank you that as part of that, you choose to use us. You choose to use us dependent on you to speak of you. Father, we ask that you might help us to be more intentional. We ask that you might help us to be more authentic. And Father, we ask that you might help us to be more bold. As we depend on you, as we spend time amongst those who don't yet know you, and as we seek to proclaim you in the places that you put us. Amen.